I'm Jasmine. I'm Ariana. And this is All, Girl, All Girls Considered, and today we're here with Bridget Farr. Hello, everyone. Okay, so um, one question that I have for you is, well, one of the many questions I have is, <laughs> what is your inspiration for writing this book? Sure, that one's actually a pretty easy answer. So my partner's name is Shiva, and he actually grew up in foster care. So he's from Canada, but went into foster care sometime between the ages of 10 and 12 and lived with a couple foster families and in a shelter like there happens in the book. Um, mm -hmm. And then went to college and has a job now in Austin. And so I wanted to write a book about a foster kid who wasn't kind of figure out foster care or wasn't yeah. having a hard time or wasn't still struggling with not being with their parents, but of someone who happens to be a foster kid, but's doing, they kind of done that hard work already. Mm -hmm. And so that's a part of their story, but they're more in power versus sometimes it's like a lot of foster care books. It feels like, you know, the foster kids are victims still. And I wanted a, a hero of the story who wasn't in that position. Uh, and what I like about the main character and it kind of reminded me of my partner is that hard part in some ways isn't quite as tough at the moment. And so now it's part of the history and they can use it to do good in the world versus it being something they're struggling with. Did you kind of like ask kids questions to like write some like stuff in your book? Great question. Uh, sometimes I did. So sometimes I'd ask students like, what would you call X, Y, Z? But a lot of it is just as I was teaching every day, I was writing. So as things happened, I would take like something a kid said and I would attach it to someone else in the book or I would take something that had happened but change when it happened. So I would nothing is an actual student or an actual scenario, but there's parts through it that are, oh, I know a teacher who does this, so I'm going to make my teacher do this or I know students say this. So I did interview students at times I'd bring in and say, oh, OK, I don't know what word to use. What? Because I, I would have said this when I was growing up, but I'm not that age anymore and so yeah students were helpful with that part and I had a student reader so I had oh. a student who was in my sixth grade classroom read it years ago now and he's actually going into high school next year and he gets a credit in the book at the very back his name's Connor and he went through the whole book and said this I like this didn't make sense this is what I thought so it was helpful to have a student read it right away too. Do you plan on writing like any more books? I am. I'm working on a book right now, actually. So I have to uh, turn it into my agent, turn it into my publisher on May 1st. So another book, I can't tell too much about it yet because they have lots of like privacy things before it's published. But it's about another girl, a seventh grader this time, who's uh, protesting the dress code at her school. Oh, so about... Uh, Pavi. Pavi. Mm -hmm. Pavi's um, background mm -hmm. and foster care. Like, where did that come from? How did you get that story? Most of that is from my head. So I I didn't know right away what I wanted her background to be. And in the book, you notice she doesn't talk a lot about what actually happened to her. We know like the day she shows up at her foster family, but we don't really know what's going on with her mom, and we don't really know about her history and. That's kind of for two reasons. One is some of the foster kids I know don't like to talk about it. And so it, it felt not very truthful to have her like really openly talking about mm -hmm. her background. Um, but I also wanted the story to focus on the future. So what where was she doing now? So a lot of it, I kind of did some talking and some research, like what would cause someone to go into foster care. I didn't want her to have a mom who was cruel to her or mean to her, but just couldn't take care of her. Cause that's a lot of what foster care is, is 
parents who want to be good parents, but for mental health reasons or for, you know, financial reasons, plus mental health reasons aren't able to do that. And so I didn't know right away what our background would be. But as the story progressed, I started thinking kind of how do I add in some of those memories and stories to make her have a rich history? So now I see that being an author like involves a lot of thinking and brainstorming, coming up with things. So like, do you have like a brainstorming technique? That's a really good question. Um, I like to outline. So I do a lot of that. Uh, I have a lot of notebooks, like notebooks everywhere. And so many notebooks. It's not very technologically savvy, but um, so I usually have one in my purse. I'll have one at school. So that way, uh, if something comes across, then I can write it down. And sometimes I forget about it. But at least I know like somewhere in the world, if I can find that notebook, it's there. So um, when I'm planning a story, I do a lot of outlining. So I actually just write it by hand sometimes or I'll type it. I just for my new book, just had to do that. So writing takes time and you don't, you're not automatically good at it. And no one is born to be a writer. Um, at the end of the book, I was like, it's okay. Not all of us have moms. And that like made me think, wow, it's, I'm really lucky to have a family like I do. And what, like, is there anything like other people and I can do to help those kids and yeah so yeah that, that part made me cry so like it was like a happy ending and yeah that that got to me so. uh, I actually cried writing that part because it was very it was sad for me too because it's I didn't realize until I was an adult actually that I I grew up luckily with parents both parents who were around and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and I always had people and it wasn't until I was an adult that I started meeting people and I realized I had taken it for granted. I thought everyone had the families that looked like mine. And even if they didn't look like mine, they had people <coughs> around who loved them. And then I met people who that wasn't the case. And um, someone once told me, your family is your family because they loved you. And my family didn't and they couldn't take care of me. And so I really wanted to show that Puffy has people who care about her and people who love her now. And that can be who your family is. But that's, I think, kind of what books can do is mm -hmm. it can help you feel what someone's feeling when you don't really know, because otherwise it's hard to tell you. I mean, I have 190 students this semester. I have a total of 300 this year. There's so many human beings in the world that I see, but I don't really know what's going on in their lives. So that's really hard to be that yeah. kind of empathetic. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, everyone has a different story. The character in Piper, uh, who like had the camera and she was very kind of reminded that part like not as open-minded as the main character was mm -hmm. and so that that part reminded me of me and like wow I should be aware of this and help and so she's like not everything not everybody has this perfect world like you do so yeah, and that's a hard realization, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're in your perfect world, it's sometimes hard to look outside of that because everything's going great for you, you know, or you have a problem where your problems, your phone's not charged. And <sighs> they kind of take a minute to think what that could be for other people and stuff. The character seemed very real to me and like I could relate and actually talk to the person. And I really enjoyed the first, uh, Pavi's like bravery and trying to help married the, the younger mm -hmm. girl so awesome thank you that's, that's good to hear that's what I tried to do right I how do you write someone who feels real I think sometimes when you're writing a book it's like well maybe this wouldn't really happen but could it happen and how do you make it someone that 
readers will feel. That's what my favorite books, right? Are the ones that I read. I'm like, oh my God, that's so me. So like as a kid, were you like very friendly and like outgoing, like an extrovert and like, because mm. like all the stuff that you do right now seems like like an extrovert. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, I'm like a fake extrovert and I was as a kid. So we moved quite, not a lot of times, but mm-hmm five times when I was growing up, which for some people is like, not at all. And others is a lot. Um, so I'm good at being friendly. I always feel like I was really polite. Um, I could make friends, but I always had a hard time having groups of friends. So I was definitely not popular in high school. I had some friends in middle school. I'm much more of a person who has like a couple friends that I, I care a lot about. I'm not like the person who's like, let's go to the party. I'm like, well, is my friend going to be there? Cause then I'll yeah. go. So <laughs> I like to draw and mm-hmm. like make up stories and like I get I tear myself down a whole lot and like I really shouldn't and like how can I like prevent that you know so there's you have to be okay going like this might not be good but I'm going to move forward because I can always come back and fix it so the people I know who are perfectionists have a really hard time writing whereas <laughs> I had a, a college professor say it's actually a book by Anne Lamott who's a has a book on writing called Bird by Bird but it's like just write terrible first drafts. It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like just let it be terrible. But as long as you have words down on the page, sometimes when I'm feeling down on myself and those thoughts are coming from me, I trust other people. Mm-hmm. So I think like my friends would never say that about my writing. My mom would never say that about my writing. My sisters would never say, oh, you're a terrible writer. Why are you even bothering? So when I'm feeling that way, I mean, you don't always want to take people, other people's opinions, but I think when you're fighting that battle with yourself, thinking about, okay, who really cares about me? Would they ever say this to me? No. So why am I saying it to myself and kind of using that? Like, who are those people you know are on your team and kind of let them cheer you on while you're struggling? And then if it's the opposite, if you have people who are constantly saying bad things to you, then you can ramp up yourself and try and find it. But Or like use that as motivation. Mm-hmm. So like, I can do this. I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And also like be okay with not being good enough sometimes. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. your art is not going to be good. I have written yeah. poems that are terrible, right? And it's okay. Not not everything has to be good enough. And so not always measuring your art and your decisions by how perfect it is, but how it makes you feel if you enjoy drawing it and it still looks awful. Like I draw, I teach a graphic novels class. And so oh, I draw wow. with my students. It is not my strength, but I always draw with them to say, you know, like everyone can do it. And part of it's just the habit of, of doing it for enjoyment. I so... I like to sew quilts and things and they look awful often because I'm not a perfectionist. So you really need to be, but I enjoy doing it. And so being okay, not being good enough sometimes is good. Yeah. So like that reminds me, like I'm not being like good enough for, so last year I was in concert band one Mm -hmm. and I moved up to symphonic this year. And the first, like symphonic's the high, uh, the top band. Mm -hmm. So at first, at the beginning of the year, I was like, wow, why am I even here? I'm not even that good. Like, how did I get in here? <laughs> it's like, I I put so much doubt on myself. And I was like, I'm surprised I didn't already like, get out of symphonic. And, and I remember, like, last year and, like, all the good moments and had, like, wow, you're really good. Like, maybe that's the reason I went in here. And, mm-hmm. like, I enjoy it so much. Like, every day I look forward to going to band and mm-hmm. playing that piece with all the people around. So. Yeah. What instrument do you play? Um, I play the flute. Awesome. So. 
even though I'm not the best in the section, um, I will try my best and I enjoy it. Yeah. I was never, I was never the first clarinet. My friend Lisa was, and she was better than me. She just played mm -hmm. better. She practiced more. She, she played the piano too and was amazing. And so once I stopped I just didn't need to be the best clarinet player. And that was okay. You yeah. know, like I loved playing. I loved playing with her. She would like in middle school, we like battled it out. And then by high school, I was okay with it. It was much way more fun. I just didn't worry about it anymore. I just played the music. So what advice do you have for middle school girls? I really loved middle school. So a lot of people are like, oh, middle school is so hard. Um, but that for me was high school. So middle school, I was like easy breezy. I had all my friends. And then high school was really hard. Um, I think learning to be okay with you, whatever it is right then at that time, kind of like, you know what, I'm the second flute or I'm not in varsity choir and just saying, but I have, I just me myself without top grades without the best friends, like I'm enough who I am and I like me and yeah. figuring out how you can just like the person you are and know, like, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know who you'll be in 10 years or 20 years and it's going to change. Um, but trying to kind of figure out how do you just appreciate who you are, even if that means like, oh, I'm spending all my weekends with my parents watching Nashville star and playing board games. because I don't have any friends right now. Like finding that in yourself, I think is the, the big part. But it's hard. It's not easy to do. There was lots of crying about it, but. <laughs> yeah. So um, it reminds me of something my dad would say a lot, like mm -hmm. he, over and over, like this was like drilled into me saying like, you don't, you don't need friends to be happy. You can be happy with yourself. Like people around you and the things you do don't determine your self-worth mm -hmm. and you can be fine on your own. Um, so that really, like, when I look at people and they think, I don't have any friends, so I'm a loser, I'm mm -hmm. worthless. I think of what my dad told me and, like, hey, you don't, this doesn't determine you, like, your self-worth. You mm -hmm. can be okay with it and you'll move on. That's very helpful advice because it's hard, especially if you want to, like, all my family lives in Montana. So when I moved here, it was just me. I didn't know anybody, literally no one. And so you have to think like, okay, if, if, if this is always how it is, if it's just always me, is that enough? Like, am I, can I entertain? And I'm like, no, I think I'm funny. Like I like my own jokes. Like if I'm in my, like when I live by myself, like I like cooking, you know, what can you, can you entertain yourself? Cause really you might have people, but even if you have people who love you, like in the story, sometimes that changes. Right. And so if you don't have it by yourself, then you can't kind of prepare for a future unknown. Thank you. That's all we got. We really, I really enjoyed the interview. You're very inspiring. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I really appreciate you having me. It's fun to have my first readers. I mean, I had a student reader a while ago, but now to have people reading the book and carrying out the book and crying about the book. Oh, perfect. So thank you very much. <laughs>